0: Thanks Clayton. This morning as we uh, as we have time in God's word together I mean let me just start by saying this I was so blessed by those, the, the, our time in music this morning our, our time worshiping God in music how it, it, it spoke to my heart this morning and, and centered me on Christ I love that song in Christ alone I, I, I love the song uh, just thinking about focusing on him what a gift it was so what a blessing it is that we have such a diverse worship ministry team that can lead us week in and week out in such wonderful ways so thank you guys for serving the Lord and for leading us This morning, we're going to be looking at Psalm 125 together. So feel free if you want to flip to that in your Bibles. That's that's great. You can turn there now. But as you do, I want you to think about something. Do you like feeling secure? Or the opposite question would be, do you like feeling insecure? Right? So I'm, I'm guessing no to that second question. But do you like feeling secure? Do you do you at the end of the night, right when you're when you, when you're getting ready to go to bed? Do you check the doors at the, the front door, the back door, and make sure it's locked before you go upstairs? Or, or do you appreciate if you get on if you go to an amusement park and you get on a roller coaster? Do you appreciate the, the attendant coming by and just kind of giving your, your harness a little jiggle to make sure that you're you're you're, you're securely locked into the the ride? See, I think by nature we like to be secure. In fact, I would say this: I think desiring security is a part of what God's uh, design is for us, and, and a feeling of insecurity is a part of sin. It's a part of the original fall. I mean, you you look back at the garden, and, and what was Adam and Eve's reaction to realizing that they were naked? They hid. They, didn't, they, they felt exposed. They, they were concerned. They were scared about what God was going to do. They felt insecure. And so they tried to cultivate some sense of security for themselves by hiding in the garden. So I think that, that idea, that, that sense of security was lost a long time ago. And since then, mankind, you and me, we all have desired to feel secure, to, to have a sense of security. Now, I imagine sitting here this morning, you're not necessarily thinking about waking up every morning saying, man, I wish I was back in the garden, right? You don't necessarily put it in those terms, that, that kind of language, but we do long for security. It, it, it's why those, the video doorbells that, that we see on the market now are so popular, right? It, it, it's why products that, that, that are expanding in terms of home security, it's why, it's, it's why we, we fill out our wills. And and, and why we we meet with financial consultants because we want to make sure that that our our, our future is secure. We want to make sure that the the future of our loved ones is secure. We want to make sure that that if something were to happen to us, they'll be okay, right? We want to have a sense of financial security to know that my income is going to be enough to cover my expenses. Or if something were to go wrong, I'd be okay, right? We want to know that when, when the day comes for me to retire, we'll, we'll have enough money to, to live off of and to feel confident in. We desire financial security. We all want to know that our lives will be secure, and especially secure during difficult times. So this morning, much to your chagrin, I want you to think about your own insecurity. <laughs> Was that a sigh about thinking about your own insecurity? Someone sighed. Someone, I said, well, think about your own insecurity. Someone goes, <laughs> I don't blame you, right? No one enjoys thinking about their own insecurity. But, but the reality is we all have a place of insecurity in our lives, right? If you think you don't, you're not, you're, you don't actually understand what's going on. You, you don't, you're not being honest with yourself, right? It may, not, it may not be financial security that you're concerned about. It may be relational security you may feel insecure about your health you may feel in, insecure about your future what, what you're going to do i know many young people when they're in college they worry about you know what's what's my what's my future look like what's if they're a follower of jesus they may say what what's god's plan for my life they worry about what's what's ahead of them we all have uh, an area of insecurity in our lives where's yours where do you feel insecure This morning, the the psalmist reminds us that there's really only one place of security we can find. One place where we can absolutely find security, both now and in the future. And that security is found in God alone. Money comes and goes, right? Ask any person who's lost money in the recession. Relationships change. Your future for your children is insecure, right? It, it, it's, you can do the very best job possible as a parent, and hopefully you do. Hopefully that's what we as parents all strive for. But you get to a point, anyone who's raised a child and launched them into adulthood, you know that at a certain point, providing security for your children is not in your hands. It, it's in someone greater, bigger, broader than you. There's no diet, no financial scheme, no new savings plan or parenting style that can provide the true security that we desire. That doesn't sound very encouraging right now, but, but the reality is that if we're looking on this horizontal plane, if we're looking to this world to provide the security that we long for in our hearts, I hate to say it, but you're never going to find it. I'm confident, I know I'm, I'm younger, but I'm confident that you will never find the security that your heart and soul longs for in this world. It's in God alone. So as we turn to Psalm 125, I want us to listen in because I think the psalmist has it. I think the psalmist directs us to where we need to focus to find the security that our hearts long for, whatever circumstances we're walking through, whatever whatever season of life that we're in. Let me read for us from Psalm 125 this morning. Psalm 125 says this: those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. Which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. But to those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers peace be upon Israel. Let me give thanks. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that, that you are a God who, who is near to us, who, who speaks to our hearts, who, who has proclaimed how, who you are. When we sing, great are you, Lord, we know that because you have revealed yourself to us, and you have revealed yourself to us through your word and through your son, Jesus. Lord, open our hearts and minds to hear you clearly this morning. May your word take root in our lives and transform us from the inside out, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, I just want you to think about this, that another word for security is the word peace. The psalmist prays at the end of our psalm this morning, Peace be upon Israel. It's that word that, that they, they, uh, they talk about from the very beginning in the garden, shalom, the, the peace that's found there in the garden, the shalom. It's an idea of completeness, of well-being, of health, of wholeness, of being complete. It's kind of like the feeling you get when you, when you complete a puzzle, right? Every puzzle piece is in place. There's nothing missing. You, 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 you feel that sense of satisfaction, of completion that all is well, right? If you think of the contrast to that, it's like looking at a puzzle and not being able to figure out the piece that goes right there, right? You you try all these different things to cram it in place. You even, you're like banging on that piece saying, it's gonna fit, it's gonna fit, right? And it never fits, right? It's a sense of incompleteness, a frustration of angst because it's not, it's not well, it's not complete. it's not done no shalom the peace is is a sense of completeness of wholeness much like that puzzle that's done there's no more frustration or angst because it's incomplete or there's a piece that's missing and you don't know which one sh- should go there you feel well you feel settled it's peace see our lives apart from christ are a bit like an unfinished puzzle the life we're supposed to have was whole and complete while, while we walked in the garden with God. When, when Adam and Eve, as mankind, walked with God, man, that, that was peace, that was shalom. They were naked, they didn't even care. That's settledness, that's wholeness, right? But our lives have forever been incomplete since the garden. Since Adam and Eve, uh, since mankind were w- entered into a life of sin, and we're cast out of the garden, we've forever been incomplete, longing to be back in that place of peace and shalom and security. So I think we can tell we have pieces missing and it gives us angst. If we're honest with ourselves, if we think about those places of insecurity in our lives, we can tell that there's something missing. Something is not whole inside of us. That there is an angst that we feel, that we're incomplete. We're, we're trying, we, we, we look for things to fill in that hole, right? We, we try to cram pieces in place to, to, to settle our hearts, to make us feel well, to, to make us feel complete. And, and none of it actually provides the sense of wholeness, completeness, the security, the peace that we, that we long for. See, I think we've, we've fallen for the, the Jerry Maguire lie. lie. You guys remember that movie back in, I think it was the 80s, uh, about this, the, the sports um, agent, and, 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 and he, he eventually falls in love and gets married, and, and he reconciles with his wife in such a way that, that he, gets, he comes back to her, and he realizes that, that closing that deal with the, the sports player, the football player, didn't complete him. It didn't satisfy him like he thought he would, and the thing that was missing was his wife, his love for his wife. Now, as romantic and wonderful as that sounds, there's that, that lie in there, that subtleness, that says someone or something in this world will complete us. right? That, that someone or something in this world will, will make us feel better. It will be the next thing. That next thing will make me feel more complete or more whole. See, I think, I think that's a lie. I think we are incomplete without Jesus. Jesus alone can fill in those places in our lives that, that feel insecure, that feel uh, uh, incomplete, that, that make us feel angst and fear. See, a, a secure faith cries out, Jesus, you complete me, right? That, that's, the, that's the secure, strong, firmly rooted faith is the one that cries out, Jesus, you complete me. That's peace, See, it's what God has promised his people and it's what Jesus came to bring, a, a peace between us and God. If you read your Bibles, and actually if you were to look in, the, in your concordance, the back of the Bible, and look up this word peace, you'd see time and time again that our Bible talks about the peace that Jesus brings, the peace that Jesus gives to his followers. It's a peace between us and God. He reconciles us to God. He makes peace by, by atoning, by, by paying for our sins so that there's no longer this incompleteness that between us and God, but we are whole and made fresh and new in Jesus before God. Amen. There's a, a picture that God gives us through John, right? In the book of Revelations, John, the apostle, is given all these visions of what's ahead, the future that God has for his people, right? He addresses some things of churches in the present and, and has visions of what the future will be. And he draws this picture, the secure future for all God's people here in in Revelation 21. It's a well-known passage, but let me read it for us. John says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of god is with man he will dwell with them and they will be his people and god himself will be with them as their god he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain any more for the former things have passed away see this kingdom that jesus uh, uh, brings to us he inaugurates he he begins is the kingdom of god Sometimes the scriptures say, the Bible says, the kingdom of heaven. It's the same kingdom. And it's the kingdom where evil and wickedness don't rule, but where God rules and where he reigns. And and that's a secure, peaceful place. Sin will be no more. Death will be no more. There will be no more crying, no more evil, no more sadness, no more sickness. There will be no more sin. Anything that contradicts peace will be no more. Our future is secure in Christ. Jesus came to make us whole. He, he came to provide a path toward which, uh, uh, toward a place where we can find this eternal health, not just future health, but eternal health, beginning now, an eternal health and well-being that makes us whole, that makes us complete, that, that, that satisfies, that speaks to those places of insecurity in our hearts and our lives. This is the promise that, that Jesus makes in the Bible That when he says in, in John 14 that he's going ahead of us. He's going ahead of us to prepare a place for us in his father's house. That There's going to be a room for you and I. There's going to be a, a place in, in, the, in the garden again where we can feel whole and complete. No longer dealing with those insecurities, those fears, those, those places of, of incompleteness that, 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 that speak to us day in and day out this side of heaven. Jesus came to make a way that gives us confidence in our future security. But, but that, that future security that God provides is not just for the future. It's a security for us in the present as well. Peace and security is not something that we just need in the future. It's what we long for now, right? I mean, as, as followers of Jesus, yes, it gives us comfort to know and assurance to know where we'll one day be. But we also want to know that we have a God who's fighting on our behalf right now who meets us in our place of need, who, who when, we, when we confess our own insecurities, when we confess that we, we don't know what to do in this moment or we don't know that we have the strength to overcome the, the hurdle, the battle that's in front of us, we have a God who's going to go with us. That's, that's what we long to know. See, no one said that once you become a believer and a follower of Jesus, your life would be easy. I think, I think that there are those of us who believe that as Christians, our life should be go perfectly well and, and we should be uh, void of, of any challenges or difficulties. I, I, I don't know, you know. Maybe not. Maybe there's not many of us that believe that because if any of us have walked out the door and lived a day in this world, we know that our life is not easy, right? We, we know that we have challenges that we have to address. But I, I wonder if some of us on some level get discouraged when we have to face challenges. That, that we somehow think that everything that goes wrong in our lives is because of my own sin or or choices that I have made that have gone wrong. And I don't think that that's true. Yes, there are places in our lives where we have to deal with difficulties because of decisions that we've made in our own lives. That's true. I believe that to be true. But I also think that it's true that that we could walk perfectly faithfully with the Lord and still face challenges and difficulties in this world. And so the, the question is, How do we walk through those places? How do we we look to Jesus and find our security in him? See, Jesus, he promises the opposite of an easy life for his followers. In, In John 16, Jesus says this. He says, Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and you will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. And I have said these things to you that in me... In Jesus, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. See, see Jesus is making it clear to us that, that, that there is going to be trial and tribulation, pain and difficulty, even for his followers. Jesus wasn't exempt from pain and difficulty either, was he? No. And yet we can find security In knowing that even though we have trial and tribulation, we have a Savior who's gone ahead of us. He's gone into those difficult places and he's persevered through. See, we're promised difficulty and tribulation living on this side of heaven. And you know, it's important that our theology reflects that. That, that, our, that our, our understanding of God and, and his plan and his creation factors in the, the truth that as followers of Jesus, we're going to face difficult times. And in these times of difficulty, we can rely on our faith to provide the peace or to remind us of the peace we have in Christ alone. See, the difference between believers and non-believers is that non-believers in God? Uh, is that it, sorry? The difference between believers and non-believers is not that non-believers uh, have difficulty and believers do not have difficulty, <laughs> but that believers don't have to build their own security system. Right? I, I think oftentimes we struggle to to secure our own security in this world, but as believers, we're not responsible to provide our own security system. That's provided for us, that's given to us, that's a gift given to us of God. See, I think believers are to non-believers what a dresser from Jordan's is to a dresser from Ikea, right? You buy a dresser from Jordan's, it comes pre-assembled. You buy a dresser from Ikea, you spend your whole day trying to figure out how to put it together. Even with their awesome directions that are in, in Norwegian or Swedish, He as Christians, we don't have to build our own security. It comes to us complete. We have to trust in it. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. Listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 125 again. He says this in the first two verses. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. Now, it can be easy to overlook this. What I I believe is a very important piece of understanding this whole aspect of security. So let me repeat it. He says this. He says, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. See, peace and security are not gifts that we receive. Although, yes, Jesus says, my peace I give to you. Peace and security are part of our identity. It's who we are. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. Right? He doesn't. He's, he's not comparing uh, our, our security to Mount Zion. He's comparing us as those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. What's Mount Zion? Well, I don't know if you've ever tried to think about what a mountain is, but have you ever tried to pick one up? Can't be moved. Well, I'm, yeah, it's an analogy, but uh, mountains can't be moved, right? We can't do it, right? I don't know if you know this, but but the the the, the geography that we read about in the Bible is still there today. Right? Geography, the, the topography, the, the land itself is still there. It it abides forever. Right? Those who trust in the Lord are those who will abide forever. It, it will not be moved. It will be unshakable. It is firmly rooted and grounded. So our, our spiritual security is not something that we can purchase, like one might go out and purchase a ring video doorbell for their house. We don't purchase or obtain our security. We are secure. Amen. We are people who are unshakable in Christ. And So when we put our trust in the Lord, Jesus secures our lives forever, both now in the present and also in the future. Jesus, uh, or Paul says this in, in Colossians. He, he says, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also appear with him in glory. Our life is forever connected with Jesus's, right? When when he appears, we too will appear in life. We have been hidden with Christ in God. Our life is hidden inside Jesus, who is the son of God and who has already overcome this world. He is the overcomer. We are the ones who partake of the fact that he's the overcomer, right? And see, I think this is kind of like one of those Russian nesting dolls. Jesus is that outer layer, right? We're one of those smaller Russian nesting dolls that are hidden inside Jesus. We can't be moved. We'll endure forever through this world, whatever this world has to offer, and into God's Kingdom where He reigns forever. It doesn't mean, or it, it means that you won't lose your salvation because you struggle with sin. In fact, because you're struggling with your sin tells me something about where your heart is at, and where your 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 the, the fact that Jesus owns your heart, right? That you you desire to fight that sin, and 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 have Him. Uh, lead you in overcoming that sin you can't lose your salvation because you struggle with sin it means that you don't lose God's love because you've let him down with your actions it means you're unshakable you're secure your salvation is is absolute in Christ see here in Psalm 125 the the psalmist says that the Lord surrounds his people as the mountains surround Jerusalem I don't know if you've been to Jerusalem lately I have not but but uh, in in looking at what Jerusalem is Jerusalem was a city that had valleys on on either side of it and at the other on the other side of the valley there were four hillsides that that kind of surrounded the the city of Jerusalem and and, and they actually were like um uh, uh, what is Charles, Charles Spurgeon says they're like sentinels to guard her gates right it's a sense not like that there's a, a ring of hillsides around Jerusalem, but four key hillsides that, that stand as sentinels that guard the city of Jerusalem. It, it made Jerusalem a, a, def, a very defensible city, right? It was a, a safe, secure city from its attackers. And as these mountains surround and protect Jerusalem from outside attackers, so the Lord promises to protect and to surround his people. That's where our security comes from. It's not us building up uh, these bunkers where where we're digging dirt and surrounding our lives with things. uh, But it it comes from Jesus who protects us much like the outside layer of a Russian nesting doll protects the inner layers of the dolls. And see, God not only protects us from the spiritual dangers and temptations uh, out there, but he also protects us from the danger of sin within the walls of the city. He protects us from ourselves. I don't know if you, you realize. Listen to what the psalmist says in verse 3. Let me read this first. The psalmist says, For the scepter of wickedness, the rule of wickedness, shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. He's saying, There will not be a lasting rule and reign of evil in the kingdom of God. Yeah, we get it. That, that There's still sin in this world. Jesus has defeated that sin. And when Jesus returns, there will be a new heaven and a new earth where the old heaven and the old earth will have passed away. And what that means is in that rule of God, in that rule of Jesus, where he reigns and rules over that kingdom, evil will have no place of, of leadership there. Amen. But now, right now, Jesus says that that rule will not rest. Why because I think this is important that we pay attention to. Because this is not just a, a message for us from Psalm 125. This is part of God's story from beginning to end. God says that, that rule will not rest, it will not last on the land allotted to God's people. And, uh, because uh, unless the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong, God's protecting us from ourselves. He's actively putting an end to the reign of evil e- even Now. Why? Because he knows, just as we sang in the song, our hearts are prone to wander, right? Our our hearts are are prone to give in to the the, the sin which so easily entangles us. God knows how fragile our lives are, how, how sensitive we are to giving in to sin. It's real. It's true for all of us. None of us have conquered sin in our lives. It's a daily battle to strengthen ourselves in Christ, to gird up ourselves, to, to put on the armor of God, to guard against the attacks of Satan and the temptations of sin, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. See, what I think is interesting, the, the fact that, 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 he, that the psalmist says this tells me that the gospel message is hidden right here in the midst of the psalm. Because the gospel message is God actively reconciling the world to himself and fighting evil and sin, Right? if you think about that part where, where the psalmist says, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong, I don't know if you recognize this, but we've heard this before in our Bibles. If you were to flip back to Genesis in the Garden of Eden, we see a bit of the opposite happening. Back in, in Genesis, we, we read about God creating Adam and Eve, and, and he gives them uh, certain commandments, ways to live by within the peace of the Garden of Eden, right? But, but we probably know the story. Adam and Eve disobey God. They eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so so God has to follow through on the the consequences of their actions. And so what what does he do? Not only does he articulate the curse both against man but also against Satan, then he goes on to expel Adam and Eve from the garden. Listen to what Moses records for us in Genesis 3.22. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. See, at first glance, that sounds pretty painful that God would kick Adam and Eve out of the garden. Right? That doesn't sound very loving, very gracious. But, but listen to that. He did it for their own protection. He says, we, we need to take Adam and Eve out of the garden lest they reach out their hand and also eat of the tree of life and live forever in their state of sinfulness. Live forever in this knowledge of good and evil and have eternal life in that state of sinfulness. Out of love for Adam and Eve, God expels them from the garden to protect them from the temptation to eat of the tree of, the, uh, the tree of life. See, in, in Genesis, God expels Adam and Eve. But where the gospel message comes through, get this, where the gospel message comes through, where we see it in Psalm 125, is not that mankind is cast out of the city of God's people, but the rule of wickedness is cast out of the, uh, out of the land of God's people. Right? That's what heaven is. Where God reverses the curse of sin, And says, I'm not kicking Adam, I'm not kicking mankind, my creation, out of the land anymore. I'm going to expel evil. I'm going to expel sin. No longer will evil rest, the rule of evil rest on the land allotted to the people of righteousness. See, I think that's an amazing truth for us to cling to and take hold of. This is what God's doing in this world. He not only protects us in the here and now, he's not only fighting against sin in the here and now, strengthening us, securing us to to stand against sin. He understands our weakness. He understands the fragility of our hearts and minds to give in to sin. And he is actively expelling sin, expelling evil from the land allotted to the people of righteousness. See, this is a promise fulfilled through Jesus. This is the promise that Jesus fulfilled when he died on the cross, when he paid the price for our sin, when he defeated death. He made a way for us to live in the land securely without having any insecurity about our future, without having any insecurity about having a God who will go before us and and walk beside us and give us strength to, to stand before him, to live faithfully with him. See, God's protection of his people means that it won't be those who trust in the Lord who will be kicked out of the new heavens and the new earth, but it will be Satan and his wicked rule. So the difference between believers and non-believers is that believers don't have to build their own security system. God is a strong protector in our security. So this morning, where is it that you feel insecure? In what area of your life are, are you looking for security? Is it your health? Are you nervous about money and providing for your family, your children? Maybe maybe you, you own a company and you're nervous about providing for your employees. Do you feel insecure about any relationships in your life? Jesus is more. He's bigger. He's able to handle that. He's calling us, inviting us to place our, our insecurity in him. Eugene Peterson says this. He says, this psalm is not whistling in the dark, hoping that we can forget our sense of insecurity, hoping that our fears will subside. No, it's facing the real darkness of life and putting our insecurities in their proper place in the context of the securing power of God, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. See, our invitation this morning is to cry out with the, with the, the to, to the Lord with the Psalmist, to say, "Do good, O Lord, to those who are upright in heart. Peace, security, be upon the people of God." May this psalm be one that we read and sing and pray day after day in the midst of our insecurities, recognizing that we have a strong protector, one who fights on our behalf, secures our future, but also fights to secure our present, to strengthen us against the temptation of sin. A little while ago, we sang a song in Christ Alone, and if we can, I want to invite the worship team to come back and, and uh, they're going to be leading us in a, a song in a moment. And, and I want to just read some of the lyrics from that song, In Christ Alone. And I love what our worship team has, has put together to lead us, to continue to lead us in worship in these last two songs. The, the, the lyrics go like this. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, he's my strength, and my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, Firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are stilled, when strivings cease. My comforter, my all in all. Here in the love of Christ I stand. And and then we get to sing after that. It is well, right? Because we have a strong protector. Because Jesus is my comforter, my all in all. Because I can stand in the love of Christ, I can say it is well with my soul. So let's, uh, as the ushers come forward in service this morning, let's, let's worship the Lord one more time.